Ah, oh, glory. Thank you, choir. Boy, y'all did so good. Thank you. I can preach after that. Thank y'all so much. You know, the choir has the hardest job in the church. You have to stay awake. <laughs> They're all watching you, okay? In fact, these guys on the front row take names. They do. They're writing down your name if you fall off. Well, it's a joy to fill in for Pastor Wes. And someone asked me, they said, what are you today? I said, I'm the spare tire. You know what you call a spare tire these days? A donut. So I guess I'm the, the donut today. Wes got a little mean-spirited the other day. I know it surprises you. He's usually pretty nice. But he got mean-spirited. He and Tara got in front of me, and uh, Wes said, let's just aggravate Richard. So Wes started doing this. Started walking real slow like that. I said, get out of my way. Just trying to aggravate me. You know, sometimes there are people that help you out. I'm glad that we have a great church that loves to help people out. But sometimes you help somebody and it's really no help. Back not too long ago, I was doing my shopping on Saturday morning, had a routine. I don't have to shop anymore because my wife retired. I gave that duty to her. <laughs> Amen. But back when I was the shopper, I went on Saturday morning, I looked at the list, and I saw something quite disturbing on the list. My wife, my wife, okay, had some makeup on there. So I thought, dear Lord, i got to go to the makeup section. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I'll go incognito. So I got my black cap on, pulled it way down, had a rain jacket on, had the hood up, walked into Walmart there. I mean, it was like Mission Impossible. I looked just like Tom Cruise. It's exciting, isn't it, Pam? I looked just like Tom Cruise. Man, I, I got in there and made my way down to the makeup aisle. And guys, I tell you, if you've never been there, it's something to see. It's a long aisle. I mean, there's moisturizers and sanitizers and pulverizers. There's all kinds of stuff there. So I'm, I'm looking there and I said, okay, I, I got to find the right thing here. So I called Pam on the phone. I said, honey, I'm just lost. I said, help me find the right stuff here. So I'm talking to Pam and then all of a sudden I hear a voice behind me. Richard, that's not going to look good on you. I turned around and looked. It's Wendell Eastep. 
I mean, he showed up on Saturday morning in the makeup aisle. Of course, I wanted to ask him what he was doing there. <laughs> oh, people try to help you out, don't they? The last time I, I baptized, I got here at 7.30. 7.30 a.m. And you know, you always want to go up there and check the water. You want it 95 degrees. 110, that's too hot. 95 is just perfect. So I went up there, went upstairs and saw the water. 7.30 a.m., got there early. Stuck my toe in there. Then I thought, well, I better check this thing out just to make sure that the stool's not in there for a child. And so I'm, I'm walking across the back of the baptistry. And I hear a voice out in the sanctuary. Reverend Humphreys, don't jump. <laughs> I like to fell in. <laughs> 7.30 in the morning on a Sunday morning, 3,000 seat auditorium. One guy is here, Steve Phillips, sitting right over there. He said he saved my life. I'm not sure about that. That same day, Melinda, after I baptized, got my phone and tried to help me out. Then I had to find Melinda and the phone. So, you know, sometimes people try to help you out. But I want you to know when you've got a trial or a burden in your life, sometimes no one can help you but the Lord. But the Lord you know, today I'm going to preach on the subject, My Burden Rolled Away. There's an old gospel song entitled, an old hymn, When the Morning Comes. And that hymn says, Trials dark on every hand, and we cannot understand all the ways that God would lead us to that blessed promised land. You know, in life, we go through a lot of trials, don't we? And sometimes they're small trials, and sometimes they're big trials, but we all have trials. Now, everyone here today is in one of three categories. Now, listen to me. You just had a trial, you're in the midst of a trial, or you're going to have a trial. Does that bless your heart today? <laughs> That's not too encouraging, is it? But you know, when you look at the Word of God, you find that God's best and finest people went through trials. Today I'm going to preach from a wonderful book. It's a book of James. And if you are in the real men's ministry, they're going to be studying the book of James. And uh, I love what, what Joey said earlier, that if you got trouble with the author, talk to God, all right? But the book of James probably was the earliest written book in the New Testament. Might be the first New Testament book written. And so I want you to take your Bibles today and find the book of James. And I want you to look at James chapter 1. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 4 as we begin today. 
Now I'm going to ask you, if you will, just stand with me in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Let's stand together. James chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You may be seated. Thank you so much. James chapter 1 deals with trials and burdens and testing times. James talks to a people in that day and time that had undergone great persecution. Now just by introduction today, let me give you three things by introduction. One, look at the author. Look at the author here in verse number one. The Bible says James is the author. Now who is he? Well, he is the half-brother of Jesus. That's who he is. The half-brother of Jesus. You can look in the Gospel, the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verse 55, and it mentions this James as being a brother of Jesus. Can you imagine growing up in a house where your big brother is Jesus. Can you imagine going to school and someone saying, why can't you be like your big brother? I mean, when I was in school, I had a, a bookkeeping class. My sister took that bookkeeping class before I did, one year before. She was one year ahead of me, and I remember the teacher, I, I still remember her name. May Nell Clonch was her name. And I remember time and time again her saying, why can't you be like your sister? She was just so good in bookkeeping. I mean, when I did the books on the person I had, he went bankrupt. <laughs> terrible, terrible. But can you imagine growing up in this home and Mary and Joseph saying, you know, Jesus never did that. He grew up hard, didn't he? He grew up rough. Well, there's the author. Let me give you a second word by introduction. The word appraisal. Appraisal. That verse number one goes on to say, James is a bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a bond servant. I want to tell you what I would have wrote. I'd have wrote the brother of Jesus. But there's some humility here. James has this appraisal that he is a bond servant. He is a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you one of the greatest joys we have is when you find a place to serve the Lord. Man, when God plugs you in and, and you got a place to serve, uh, someone the other day said, I'd love to sing in the choir, but I don't think I can sing. And I said, he'll take you anyway. 
Oh, to find a place of service is a wonderful thing. Well, that's the appraisal. Give you a third word by introduction, the word audience. The word audience. That verse goes on to say this. It says, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. James is writing to an audience of the people of God who are scattered abroad. They are scattered. You know, um, God's people are not His sheltered people, they're His scattered people. Let me just tell you a danger today. The danger is that you and I come together and enjoy being together so much that we do not scatter to a lost world and penetrate it with the gospel. You see, the issue is, is the culture going to baptize the church or is the church going to baptize the culture? You and I are to scatter and touch every life with the gospel. Dr. Joel Gregory says, Today, holy huddles need to break up into world witnesses. I uh, heard about a guy who had a Christian condo. And he was developing Christian housing for just Christians. Now, I don't know how he did this, but he said, anyone that lives here has got to be a born-again Christian. Now, that may sound good, but if you take all the people of God and say, you're going to live here, and if you take all the people of God and say, you're going to shop here, and you're going to buy what you need from just these places, we will never touch that lost world for Jesus. I mean, I can see it. Can you imagine a Christian supermarket? I mean, they're selling St. Paul peanut butter, <laughs> justified jelly, consecrated cornflakes. I've worked on this, all right? Can, can you imagine that? No. A thousand times, no. We're to be light in a dark world. We're to be salt in a rotten world. We're to penetrate the world with the gospel. I heard about a church that in their parking lot, when you left the parking lot, there was a sign as you drove out and it said, you are now entering the mission field. Oh, what a, what a thing, what a testimony. And so James says, I'm writing to those who are dispersed, they're scattered. Now, look at the last word in verse number one. It's the word greetings. The Bible, knowledge, commentary says that word can be translated rejoice. James said, to those who are scattered by persecution, rejoice. It, it would be like me walking down a, a hospital corridor and saying, rejoice to those who are in the hospital rooms. I want to tell you one thing I do day after day after day, week after week, is I pray with people that have a great burden or they're going through a great trial. On the authority of the inerrant, 
infallible, inspired Word of God, that burden and that trial can roll away. It can. You don't have to be a victim. Man, you can be a victor. You can be on the winning side. Oh, that hymn I mentioned before, when the morning comes, says, we will understand it better by and by. One day we're going to tell the story how we overcame. You know, heaven, if I understand it right, hadn't been there yet, but if I understand it right, we're going to sit around and we're going to tell stories. We're going to tell stories how that we got a victory in the midst of a trial. I kind of like that because I love to tell stories. I do. When I was growing up, I loved to go and visit my grandmother. Uh, my grandmother liked to watch a few TV shows. Grandma Humphrey, she, uh, she loved uh, General Hospital. She loved that soap opera. So I, I sit there and watch that. But then she watched a guy that came on at night that was a great storyteller. His name was Red Skelton. Y'all remember him? Some of y'all do. I, I love to sit there with Grandma and, and watch him tell good, wholesome stories. Man, that's heaven. We are going to tell the stories how we overcame. All right, I got to get after it, okay? I want to share with you four different ways that you can have the burden in your life roll away. All right, number one, first of all, you got to have a joyful attitude. A joyful attitude. Look at verse number two. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. The Bible says there that we are to consider, the King James says, count it all joy. You remember ever singing that hymn, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. You know what James says? He says, count your many trials, name them one by one. That's what he says. We are to count or consider the trials that we have and we are to consider it all joy. This word consider there in verse number 2, the word count is a bookkeeping term. It means that you've got a ledger and you line up all the trials and you say joy, 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 and joy. Let me tell you what will give you joy in a trial. Good editing. Good editing. I remember when Pam and I had our daughter. You know, men always say that. You know, when we had our daughter, you know, really the wife does it, but you know, when we had our daughter. And I remember going to birth classes. And you know, you had to learn how to breathe all these different ways, and, and uh, then you had to pinch your wife's arm, you know, so it seemed like, you know, childbirth, whatever. And, and we're in these birth classes, and and I, I remember one time the lay saying, when you hold that child, when you hold that baby in your arms, you forget about all that you went through. I don't know if that's true or not. 
But I do know this. On the front end of a trial, it's bad. In the middle of a trial, it's bad. But the only way you can look back and say it all worked together for good, according to Romans 8, 28, is when you live in the will of God. Editing. Editing. Edit out the pain. And find joy in the trial. John chapter 16, verse 33 says, These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Well, we are God's scattered people, but not His sheltered people. Therefore, we need to have joy in trials. All right, let me move on. Number two. Second way that you can have your burden roll away is when you have an understanding mind. An understanding mind. Look at verse number three. The Bible says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Knowing when you are in the midst of a trial, you need to pray and say, God, I don't have this figured out. God, I don't know what's going on. But God, I need divine knowledge. Why am I going through this? Knowledge. Well, you and I are to understand that faith is always tested. God always tests our faith. Let me name these people in the Bible. Abraham, Job, Daniel, Jeremiah, the disciples, Jesus. What about the three Hebrews in the fiery furnace? All of them went through trials. So we need to have an understanding mind. Trials also rightly help us to mature. This verse number 3 says it can produce endurance in our life. And so we need to pray for that understanding. All right, let me move on. Number three, third, for the burden to roll away, you need a surrendered will. A surrendered will. Look at verse number 4. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. A surrendered will. It's the idea that, that you stand before God, you put your hands up and say, God, I don't know what to do, I don't know where to turn, I don't know where to look, but, but to you. I surrender to you. Oh, let, let me tell you a story. You know, sometimes if you're around a Clemson fan and you're a Carolina fan, you've got to listen to them talk about victories. <laughs> you know, sometimes vice versa, Carolina wins, Clemson folks, you've got to listen to them. Well, I'm an Oklahoma Sooner, so you've got to listen to me today, all right? The Oklahoma Sooners were playing softball in the World Series last week, a week ago. And they got beat in the final game by UCLA. Man, I cheered, I prayed, I sweated with them, I did all I could do. They got beat 5-4 to four in the last game, walk-off run. But afterwards, after the game, I watched the post-game news conference. And the pitcher, G. Juarez, for the Oklahoma Sooners softball team, they asked her, they said, what were you mumbling there on the mound in between pitches in the circle? 
And she said, I was mumbling to myself, it is written, it is written, it is written. She said, I was saying to myself, God has his story already written. And I'm just in the moment. Now listen to me. If you don't hear anything else today, get this. If you can trade a loss for a testimony, that's a good thing. If you can walk into a doctor's office and hear a bad report and trade a loss in your health for a testimony, that's a good thing. Some of you here today, you've lost a spouse by death or maybe even by divorce. But if you can trade that loss for a testimony, it's a good thing. Well, let me move on. Fourth and last today, you need to have a believing heart. A believing heart. Let, let me read verses 5 through 8 there in James chapter 1. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. James says, don't be double-minded. Be single-minded, focused, have that believing heart that is just tuned in, just tuned in to the will of God for your life. Verse number five says we need to pray for wisdom. Verse number six says we need to ask in faith. Faith doesn't look just at what you can see, Faith believes that God is working in spite of what you can see. Verse number 12, James has a beatitude. When I was reading some of the commentaries, it says that verse number 12 might be a quote from Jesus outside the Gospels. Sure sounds like Jesus listened to it. Verse 12. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Can you imagine maybe James growing up in that house, heard Big Brother one time say that. The Holy Spirit of God brought that back to the mind of James. You got a trial today? Guess what? That burden can roll away. I, I love this old gospel hymn also. It's the hymn at the cross. One verse of that hymn says, At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, 
and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. How's the rest go? Now I am happy all the day. I want you to bow your heads with me and close your eyes. We're going to have an invitation time. We're going to ask you to look down deep into your life. If you're here today and you'd say, Preacher, man, you're talking to me. I'm knee deep in a trial. I got a burden in my life. Man, that burden can go away today. If you look to the Lord, give it to the Lord. Perhaps you're here today and you'd say, Preacher, I, I know I need to join this church. I need to be faithful in church membership. We invite you to come and do that today. Oh God, I've preached my heart out today and preach God the Word. Father, I'm so glad in my life that I've got a testimony. Lord, I have a testimony today because of all the trials I've gone through. God, for every trial, for every loss, God, I traded that loss for a testimony. So, Father, bless now this invitation time. Speak, Father, to people's hearts. Some may need to come here at the altar and lay that burden down. Father, I pray for that. In the strong, wonderful name of Jesus, amen. Let's stand together as the choir sings, you come. Richard, thank you so much. Thank you for that great word from the book of James. And who is Red Skelton? 
Clem Cadiddlehopper, sure I know, all right? Well, it's been a wonderful morning. Thank you so much for being here. Just one word of reminder. Uh, Celebration of Liberty is coming up on the 30th, and we do it at 4 o'clock and at 7.30, as you well know, and you have to have tickets to enter. The tickets are free. Let me just tell you, the tickets will be available this morning back in the back of Ellis Hall. I predict that we will be out of all the 4 o'clock tickets uh, before this week is over. And so uh, just be sure and get your tickets, and I would encourage you to come at 7.30 if you could. Uh, that would be wonderful. But uh, be sure and get your tickets back there, and then just be praying uh, as we go through this week. Pray for the Celebration of Liberty. Pray for all the camps and our students. You can read them there in the bulletin. And use that bulletin. It's not a throwaway, but use it as a prayer guide when you take it home. And pray for the things that you see in there. Well, let's pray, and then the choir will give a little little word there and we'll, we'll be dismissed. Father, we do thank you this morning that burdens are lifted at Calvary. And we thank you that because of the cross and because of what you've done for us, that you help us through the trials of life. And one day when we see you face to face, we will also say those words, it has been worth it all. And so I pray for everybody here. Pray for everybody who's watched this on television this morning. Everybody that's in the sound of my voice right now in this sanctuary. I pray that you would guard them. You would guide them. That you would bless them. And I just pray that you would watch over them in a special way during this week. We thank you for who you are and for what you've done for us. And we thank you that there's no other name, no other name, except the wonderful, powerful name of Jesus.